Wait, welcome back to the X Podcast. Today is our last day pairing the podcast with the series. Well, sort of. We have it our is. catch-all yeah. that we're going to do next week, but uh, today's an exciting day. First of all, uh, Tim, yeah. how are you? I'm great. You look warm. I look warm? You look warm. Can I you, really on, can you believe it, it is, is snowing snow. outside? No. What is happening mid-March? I, I wasn't expecting this. I have a guest in town. He's freaking out. All right, and then we have He's special guest, so. Jesse. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Why do you look so cool and skinny? You know, I just try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look Speaking good. of skinny, <laughs> yeah. why is it mid-March and you still have not brought in a scale? Uh, Lydia. There's been a lot we, of grace we, extended. We need to edit that part out. No one has written in about this. <laughs> um, we are bringing it up ourselves. Yeah, I have. There's some kind of bet going there on. There is, right? there's and there's been no scale. All right, we're going to bring in a, in a scale. No, 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 no. We, wait, so now you get another week? <laughs> <laughs> we're going you to. You said it. I guess. Uh, you know. All right, fine. You get another week. Um, but I have been losing weight. Okay. That, did you I've hit lost your, weight. I've lost like 11 pounds. But did you hit your mark? We'll have to bring in a scale to figure that out. Oh, jeez. So, that's no. No, that's a big no. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, we have more important things Actually, to Actually, I have about. a surprise for you. Liddy brought one in. Liddy. Liddy. <laughs> Lydia, bring it out. No. Yes, she did. She it. brought one. We're going to do it right now. Is. We gotta do it right here. She comes. Uh, I have to keep my clothes. I hope this is real. I have to keep my clothes on. It's not. Dang okay. It. Oh, All right. Right. <laughs> you got scared. <laughs> you have to weigh yourself. So. God, dang. Oh, we've already hey, lost you're somebody you're that's listening. Run home <laughs> and get a scale. You don't. I mean, I don't worry about it that much. The our, I'll take my shoes off for sure. That's oh, it. Oh no, you got to take it all. Our viewers oh. and listeners, we're sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Um, if you are somewhat new to the podcast, uh, Jesse has been one of our favorite people to have on when we can have him on. Um, he is a sharp thinker, uh, and an amazing person and he works with our next generation. Mm -hmm. Um, kids, youth is involved in college and, um, uh, he always just brings fresh insight. One of my favorite thinkers. Um, and especially today as we are, um, Piggybacking off of Sunday's message on gender identity, wanted to invite him on as well because of his role in working with the next generation. And also because, you know, we've mentioned it before, but when we knew this series was coming about a year in advance, we really tried to spend at least a good six to eight months educating ourselves, studying, mm -hmm. researching. And Jesse's one of the first people that really, when it came to this topic, began to do a deep dive mm -hmm. and began to research, ask questions, read books. Um, and so... Again, if you're joining us, this is week six of pairing off. It's complicated. We have hit culture wars, politics, racism, abortion, sexuality, and now gender identity. And let yeah. me just say, one of the many, we, we've said it every week, but so many cool stories, so much great feedback. But one of the things I've loved as well that you may not know if you're watching or listening is that our podcast family has grown. <laughs> yeah. like it has oh, really, really has. grown. Um, the views, the mm -hmm. listens, the engagement. And can I just say, selfishly, because we think that your voice adds to this conversation, we hope that even as the series ends, you continue yeah. uh, to lean in um, to these conversations that we have every single week. We've been doing this for like two years. Yeah. I think this is like episode 124 or something nuts. Wow. Um, and so thank you for leaning in, being a part of it. But this past Sunday, just to recap, mm -hmm. you continued on the framework of uh, the um, personhood theory. Personhood theory of how we have torn apart 
um, attempted to tear apart as a society um, our bodies from the essence of who we are mm. and, and how that has amplified and manifested in the way we've viewed reality, the way we've viewed ourselves. And you spent time uh, rebuilding that, talking about this cultural moment of transgenderism, the hot button topic that it is. You talked about, one, we were talking about yesterday, one of the things you brought up kind of as a sidebar that mm. seemed to super resonate with people is this whole idea of what we've done with gender roles and gender identities of masculinity and femininity and how a lot of people just don't feel like they fit. Mm-hmm. And you kind of you, you took a moment to shred apart stereotypes and yeah. say, no, this is what it actually means if your goal is to be a godly woman, a godly man. And you could just feel in the room the weight that carried with people. Mm-hmm. And then in the conversations afterwards, Thought it was amazing, but again, for time's sake, we say it every week, but if you miss Sunday, really go back because we don't have time to recap at all. Yeah. But you did end with basically this thought of waves of compassion, waves of empathy for anyone struggling with gender dysphoria mm-hmm. and cannot even imagine what it's like to be in their shoes. Um, that's the grace part. The truth part is, and it looks complicated, it looks tricky for every situation, um, but the goal is to embrace that the way God wired us, our identity is inextricably linked with our bodies, mm-hmm. that we are embodied souls. And part of, quote unquote, I, if you wanted to be spiritual about discipleship, is, is asking God to help um, realign your identity mm-hmm. with the way he wired you yeah. from the body to the soul, not from the soul to the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a good recap? Yep. Okay. And so... Anything you all want to add to that before we jump in? Here's the thing. Can I just say this? This is what shocked me, is I feel like this was the issue that people seem to talk about the most, and people seem to have the most tension going into. They're like, people, I wonder what they're going to say about this, seem to be the most controversy. And yet we have received the least amount of questions mm-hmm. on this That's topic right. by far. Yeah than any other topic. It almost feels like maybe I don't know if this is a bad way to say it. It almost feels like this topic in society in general, has both the most outrage and the most ignorance. Very possible. <laughs> would, would, that be, would that be an okay it's, way to say it's it? It's definitely, yeah. I think, a newer, um, the, the way it's been thrust into the spotlight, I think, is a newer conversation for a lot of people. So I'm not even sure a lot of people know how to think about this. Yeah. Um, I, I would probably put myself in that category. As I said, I was approached, I said the message like years ago, someone asking me, and I'm like, I have no clue. And so really from this past year of reading books and trying to understand it, I think that's kind of helped educate me a little bit of what people are wrestling with, what people are going through. And uh, it, it, anytime you educate yourself about something that you would very quickly or easily be outraged over, mm-hmm. you'll find empathy and compassion grow yeah. inside of you. And that doesn't mean that it'll necessarily change your worldview mm-hmm. in that area but I think it will change you yeah. mm-hmm. in the way you view other yeah. people. And that's kind of been my hope through the entire series is that, yeah. that, is, that is something that happens in our community as we learn and we grow together. Yeah. And so um, it's, yeah, it is kind of fascinating because we've heard from people who are like, oh, I can't wait till we talk about that. Yeah. But and I've had parents, I had very first week of the series, I had parents come and go, um, I can't wait till you talk about gender um, because my middle school, I want my middle school students to, to watch and see it later. Yeah, and even if it's somewhat over their heads to an mm-hmm. extent, maybe um, they're they're just recognizing how real their kids are confronted, the reality they're confronted with mm-hmm. all the time at school. Yeah, social yeah. media, and so yeah. I, I think it's something we're going to continue to kind of learn 
then grow on as a society and as the church mm-hmm. and how to handle it. And Jesse, you've been actually doing your own series mm-hmm. in youth based off this series. Started, what, a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, we've hit some of the, the same topics. And actually, this coming Sunday, uh, we're going to hit this topic mm-hmm. in middle school and high school both. I figured it was wise to let you go first <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, just kind of piggyback. But yeah, um, even the statistics you shared in last week's message about the growing percentage of teenagers that are in some way, shape, or form identifying in the LGBTQ, uh, uh, the, yeah, the LGBTQ uh, community is growing significantly, especially in our younger kids. Mm. So, well, yeah. well, let's dive in. Yeah, we again, we really have just a handful of questions, and then I kind of want to put Jesse on the spot because of your role and and also your research in this area. But we had three text questions. One is, and then several that really don't fit into this week that we'll we'll hit next week. But is it okay for me to not feel comfortable with who I am and to be non-binary? Well, I kind of a loaded would, personal yeah, question. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I would say it would be our hope that you, um, you know, would feel comfortable with who you are. I think that's, you know, when, when I say, is it okay for me to not feel comfortable with who I am? So my guess is, though, what that person, I'm just going to assume they're saying is, as they're born with their gender, they don't feel comfortable with their gender. And they're saying, I, I would prefer to be non-binary. Is that the way you guys are kind of reading that, understanding I, that question? Mm-hmm. Is it okay for um, me to not to feel comfortable yeah. with who I am? Yeah, I almost read it as like, is it okay that I'm wrestling almost? Like, See, that's why I'm I can't still, tell. That's, yeah. why, that's why if you're asking, first of all, I'd say it's always okay to uh, understand how you feel. And it's okay to feel different. And it's okay to wrestle mm-hmm. with that. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a part of this process where a lot of people, they don't feel like we talked about fit into what society and the cultural norms, the boxes they have. And because of that, they immediately are looking for community. They're looking for some kind of identity. They're looking for some way they can feel loved and wanted. And, um, and I think sometimes that, that, especially in a younger age, and I don't know the age of this person asking, um, but mm-hmm. this, this topic tends to be one that younger people wrestle with more mm-hmm. than probably older or maybe they already have when they were younger and so i i mean i i think it's okay to number one it's okay to be who you are um and how god made you even if you don't fit all of the stereotypes and you don't have all of the same feelings and some of the same things like of maleness or femaleness um i think i just to speak of like how what what do you mean can you clarify what you mean i'm saying that it's okay for you, if you feel like I struggle with, say you're, you're born a boy and you say, I really struggle with what it means to be a boy. I don't feel like that. What I'm saying is it's okay to recognize that you feel that way. That's what I'm saying. It's okay for you to recognize that you feel like, because most of what we see around us is what determines what we believe it means to be a boy. What would mean and what it means to be be a girl? Mm-hmm. Uh, so much. This is where you get the whole nature nurture and the argument. But I think so much of our environment is what plays back to us what it what it looks like to be boy, what it looks mm-hmm. like to be girl mm-hmm. at a young age. 
and that's where we see an incongruence. I, I would argue it's it's a lot less maybe about maybe with some gender dysphoria, but I think for a lot of young people, it's a lot less about. I just don't feel comfortable with my anatomy. It's more, I don't feel comfortable being a boy when I see the way boys are and I don't feel like that. That's what I think happens a lot with the younger, younger people. And yeah. I had this story, this, this woman that came up to me and it kind of, kind of relevant fits. And she actually came and shared it with me. And she said, if you want to share this on the podcast, you can. Um, there's a lady that uh, goes to our church and she, she, Gets, she works for a nonprofit organization that schools allow her because of this to come in and to speak to students about uh, relationships, about family, like kind of kind of surprising. She's like, yeah, I'm surprised that schools allow me to do it. And so she's not she's coming in and speaking of the importance of family and relationships. And she said recently she was at one of the schools and she was doing her session and she was finishing up with her session, wrapping up. And there was this young girl, and again, this is like middle school age. I think she was like seventh grade, mm. eighth grade. There's this young girl, and she said, you know, you can tell that she was struggling with her identity. She had a real short, real kind of butchered haircut. It was like real, real short cut up, you know. And, um, and you know, she raised her hand kind of at the end. And she said, I think that you need to tell your boss you deserve a raise. <laughs> and the lady was like, oh. Well, that's really nice of you, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm glad this helped you so much. And, uh, and, um, and she was just like, no, you're really nice and kind. And, um, you know, when you said that, um, that I am valuable as I am, because that was the message she was telling them, you are valuable just as you are you know, now. She, she said that was like the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. She said no one's ever even said mm -hmm. that to me before. Wow. And she said, I'm trans. And she was like, I, so you could tell she, she, she said that I've been wrestling with this and she's never really had anybody say you are valuable as you are mm -hmm. right now. And so she, and so she just kind of affirmed that I'm not getting the story completely right, but she just kind of affirmed it. She said, you are, you are valuable. You're loved as you are right now. And the girl just said, man, that's, I mean, that just touched her and moved her. And she said, that's, that's great. She said, I'm trans, but I might change my mind in three months. Yeah. Hmm. That's what she said, this girl. And she's like seventh grade. Wow. So, so yeah. it, it really speaks to, I think one of the things that, and again, if this person who wrote this in is younger, I, I want to kind of at least just say there, we all go through, and I'm not speaking just gender, but we all go through a little bit of an identity crisis from probably 11, 12, 13 until adulthood or more. And so, you know, and I think sometimes with all of the, the way pressure from culture and the way we're kind of supposed to be, and we don't fit that our today, there's an option, which is to just say, um, I, I want to be a different gender or in, in, the, in the case of non-binary, right? Here's somebody saying, I don't really identify maybe as a boy and maybe they were born a boy, but I don't really fully identify as a girl. Mm -hmm. So non-binary would be someone who doesn't necessarily fit into either category. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of, it becomes nebulous. It kind of becomes maybe gender fluid. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I would, again, my, my, just my response to that would be is that be uh, slow down at this thought of trying to identify yourself right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I don't really fit well, boy, I don't really, 
see myself as a girl, so I'm non-binary. Just, I would just say slow down in that mm-hmm. process. Yeah. And I think this is where we need help. I think this is where you need mm-hmm. pastoral help, you need counselors, you need people who can kind of help you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's a lot of people that are really confused at one age and then they grow up and they go through puberty and they go through all these other things and you can find yourself comfortable with your body mm-hmm. at a, at, and it may not be today, but you can. Yeah. And so I don't know, I don't know how you would see that question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think first and foremost, like I think the, the question of, is it okay that I don't feel comfortable? Well, I mean, the, I mean, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're alluding to like, well, maybe I in church, I feel shameful because mm-hmm. I don't, feel like I fit into my body. Um, and I heard a pastor say one time, it was about a different subject, but it still applies just as good, is that your shame's no good here. You know, shame's just going to keep you where you're at and take you down a, a, a worse road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's okay to wrestle. And if there's any place in the world that we should let people be comfortable to wrestle, it's in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yet it, it's funny because <laughs> with this topic especially, you know, church is almost like, well, what do you, what do you mean you wrestle, yeah. you know? And then I'll sure you reference it at some point, but in the book embodied that we read, they shares more than one story about people that are wrestling with their gender identity in some way, shape or form. And pastors are just like, yeah, get out of here. That's some nonsense. Yeah. And yeah. of course they run to culture and find more acceptance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, so mm, I think first and foremost, um, we've got to create a place where it is okay for people to wrestle yeah. and say that they're wrestling. Yeah. yeah and not be judged or viewed as the others, mm, um, so which I good. think is one of the huge things that I think we all gained through reading these books is we, just, we knew nothing. We yeah, didn't know right. how to relate. We didn't know yeah. how, we didn't know most of the terms even. Yeah. yeah. So how, in, you know, how can we love people well if we don't at least know a little bit about what they're struggling with? Yeah. You know, the, the phrase love seeks to understand yeah. comes to mind. And so, you know, to that question, I say, yeah, definitely it's okay mm-hmm. to wrestle, mm-hmm. but in knowing that you don't need to identify yourself right this second yeah um and believing that god has a journey for you to walk down to where through his love his grace and his truth Mm -hmm. at the end of that road you find yourself being comfortable in the body you were born with yeah yeah that's great that verse love seeks to understand i think i've said it more in some of our private settings but i will say for me personally this issue more than any of the other issues the education piece was the transformation for me. Yeah, um, I just realized. I mean, we, we've been rec- we've, and we're going to do it at the end of this, but we've been suggesting resources every single week. But that embodied book was probably the most educational. Ever, you say the same thing? Oh yeah. I mean, just the, I just had no idea. I mm-hmm. I thought you know one of the things he quotes I think it's from Mark Yarhouse is if you've met one transgender person, you've met one transgender person. That yeah. You talk about Sunday. So it's just different. an umbrella term. I had no idea what yeah. all was involved with it and the spectrum of it and mm-hmm. the complexities of it. And if there's anything where knowledge is power yeah. in any of these issues, besides maybe a few years ago with, with the racism piece, I think it was this issue. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, I don't know why, but this may sound controversial, but just as I read it just now, the thought, you know, what came to my mind was the Dave Chappelle special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very controversial on both yeah. sides. He has said a lot of offensive things yeah. uh, towards the trans community, but he also really offends, you know, the the far right as well. He can be, you know, pretty vulgar, but he has a, just a very um, he just has an interesting take on things, and he tells this story in the the one of his last stand ups that you know became so controversial, where he 
befriended a transgender person and he was you know being Dave Chappelle being a little insensitive and hearing her story and joking and mocking and then he said she stopped and just like in just this moment of pain and frustration with him um, said this statement slash question that he said just forever seared itself into his heart she said can't you just acknowledge I'm having a human moment Moment. yeah and for him it was like Oh, wow. And so it's, it's so not that I want to rephrase the question, but for the person that says, is it okay for me? I'm like, if, you, if possible, why don't we just re- rephrase that? Is it real for you? I think yeah. so many times we, we try to, yeah. the, the question that I, I want to say is like, every one of us has human issues. And I don't know that you can boil it down to, is it okay? It's just on this broken planet, it's yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's things I'm struggling with. Is it okay that I'm struggling with? Yeah. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I am. Yeah. I am struggling with it. Yeah. And yeah. the question isn't trying to decipher mysteries that I may not, not understand. The question is, where do I go from here? Yeah. yeah. And does God love me just as I am? He does. Can God also help me walk out a process of health? Mm. He can. Yeah. Can God also help me make wise decisions going forward and how to deal with this in loving community? He can. Mm. Does God still have a plan for me regardless of my struggle? He does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I, if possible, I just almost want to rephrase the question for you and ask: yeah. Not is it okay? Yeah, because that's so complex. Is yeah, is it real? Yeah. And if what you're going through real, mm. welcome to the club of humanity, where mm-hmm. all of us are struggling with crap we wish we weren't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think also a good point to add to what you're saying, and this is maybe more from a faith context, but I, I think it's, I think one of the things that w- will really help us build our personal internal identity is when we first understand our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we're so quick to take and use all these cultural um, language and terms of, okay, I don't fit here. And so maybe I'm this, maybe I'm this, maybe I'm this. I I would say if you're a Christ follower and person who wrote this in, maybe they're connected to our church. I would say first thing you do is seek to understand who you are in Christ and what that means. And that's not about maleness or femaleness. That's about who you are in Christ. But allow that primary identity to inform you of the rest of your identity, is understanding the spiritual reality of whose you are can help you mm-hmm. take a step toward a healthy version and a God-intended version of who you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think identity is a huge crisis issue it's when it's not just gender it's other things too we've been talking about throughout this series and so i think it's just a good a good place to start mm-hmm. instead of just going well okay i think i'm this or i'm that or there's 71 options on facebook yeah. for which identity i want to pick today or there's custom so that i can make my own or my two-spirit am i this am i that, that you know instead of doing that start with what's my spiritual truth and identity right. and from that allow that to inform you of what god really want you to walk out and how yeah. he wants you to look yeah. in life. So no, it's great. It's good. Yeah. Um, all right, next text, text question. Pastor Tim mentioned we as Christians should be, uh, here, here's what we get down kind of into maybe some of the more controversial, practical. Pastor Tim mentioned we as Christians should be sensitive to the trans community. What does that look like when navigating pronoun usage? Mm. Mm. Just start calling everybody Z and Zer. <laughs> Should I not say that? That is a that is one that people may not have heard of. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is so reading Preston Sprinkle's book, and mm-hmm. I know we'll talk about the embodied. Um, he really 
dives into some of that toward the end of the book, and I think in a very pastoral way. It was a way that was very helpful for us in ministry to, because I, I don't know, you know, the answer. I think, I think culturally, depending on your awareness or lack of awareness, your perspective is going to be one either that probably will follow that. Either you're going to think this you're a guy I'm going to call you with male pronouns. Would you, would you say, not narrow, wouldn't you say going back to week one that maybe this would be one of the hottest topics when we think about culture wars? Yes. And that when people yes. think of this topic, if they've not thought through the lens of empathy mm-hmm. or through the lens of educating themselves, this is a culture war. I mean, I mean, even a few years ago, I see like, I'm not, no, yeah. like this is, yeah. Sorry. Well, and, so, and some people, and so, so in, in Preston Sprinkle's book, toward the end, he kind of gives the arguments for and against. Yeah. And I think one of the arguments that I've heard uh, for those who are against um, using or practicing pronoun hospitality for someone who's transgender and wants a different pronoun um, is that they would say it's lying. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you're born a male. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to use female pronouns. Right. Um, and, and I think Preston Sprinkle, if I recall, maybe you guys remember, did a great job of just, you know, even talking about there are so many things we have to understand in the language when it comes to labels and other things that are as much cultural as they are like theological language we use, the way we reference people terms, you know, there's so many things that are cultural and, you know, again, maybe this is a little bit of a personal, personal conscience thing versus consider being considerate. Um, but I, I would just. You know, the more I understand the struggle that some people have, this 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 would fall for me under the category. I, I would be fine um, practicing pronoun hospitality. That <clears throat> I, I see this as a Christ follower. This is me trying to meet someone where they are, like the Apostle Paul, who says, "You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna to the Jews, I'm gonna be a Jew." To the Gentiles, I'm going to be like, come like a Gentile. And, um, and even, even, even he addresses in 1 Corinthians 9 in that passage, right? He addresses the, the challenge of, I'm not, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to break God's law. I'm not going to this. But I am going to go as far as I can to meet somebody where they are so that I can have the opportunity to share with them the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why that would be any different. And, and kind of going back to last week, that one of the arguments you made that, that this, this would be, kind of go back into the power of language as a currency of relationship. Yeah. Um, of, you know, President Sprinkle argues, he's like, if you want to have an opportunity um, to share truth, whatever it may be, God's love, um, so many people are not going to hear you if you won't even speak to them with the dignity that mm-hmm. acknowledges yeah. who they believe they are, their struggle, et cetera. Yeah. And so I, I, I mean, again, I don't, I just feel like this is one of those issues that either a people don't even think about yet. Mm-hmm. They're not ha- confronted with, which you go, we are to an extent, I'm seeing it grow in society. I, I remember yeah. going to, going to Bath and Body Works, you know, at Easton mm-hmm. and you walk in and everybody has their name tags on it with their handwritten pronouns they prefer. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's, I think some people see this as a cultural war mm-hmm. issue and so part of it is, is like, here's an agenda coming, you know, that's being pushed and I'm going to resist. Yep. So, yep. and I want to hear your thoughts. I, you, you started going down, but I went through because I took so many notes when I first read this book. So I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, like I, I feel like I'm learning so much. So um, here, here's how I organize kind of like his thoughts on for and against 
arguments against using pronouns, it would be lying. You mentioned mm-hmm. that. Number two, uh, an argument would be it would be a capitulation to an unbiblical and destructive theology. Mm-hmm. Number three against is people would say we're feeding delusion and harming someone instead of loving them. Mm-hmm. Um, the arguments for pronoun hospitality is it's not lying because pronouns don't always refer to someone's gender and words and culture change their meaning over time. Anyways, again, all of this he nuances over mm-hmm. an entire chapter. There are moments in scripture where the writers exploit language flexibility. Again, he gives those examples. We don't have time here. And then number three, it's what we just hit, also it communicates respect and is necessary for building a relationship with someone if they're ever going to hear what we have to say. So those are kind yeah. of, and that's Good. just a, yeah, a snapshot. What do you say? Yeah, well, I think uh, one thing he also, I think it's in uh, Preston Sprinkle's book, that so, especially if somebody who is a part of the trans community hears you use their proper pronoun, they know you're a Christian, they don't automatically assume that, well, you affirm them. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they understand, and a lot of them would receive it as an olive branch, so to speak. But mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to meet you where you're at. And I think, like you said, that's kind of our concern a lot, is like, well, if I use their preferred pronoun, am I feeding the delusion? Mm-hmm. Or am I uh, saying, yep, I agree that you probably were born in the wrong body. It, he says again, if you met if you met one trans person, you met one, but most of them will not receive that as that. Mm-hmm. They'll really just receive it as, oh, you respect me as mm-hmm. a person and respect my experience and my feelings in mm-hmm. this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's funny. We again, the the common theme throughout this whole subject is our education is really what created the ability to uh, show and feel more empathy. Because before I read that book, if you asked me about pronoun hospitality, I'll just be transparent. I'd be like, no, it's ridiculous. Why would I do that? <laughs> But after hearing stories of real people yeah. that have wrestled with mm. this and learning more about the topic and learning more about that it is more than just this agenda or whatever, it's real people that have real struggles, it completely changed my heart mm. when it comes to pronoun hospitality. Mm. Um, and I think everybody's got to wrestle with it. You said it's, it, it, some of it is a personal conscious thing, um, but... Um, I think what a lot of people, if they're not comfortable using their preferred pronoun, a lot of people are still comfortable using whatever their new chosen name is. Mm. I mean, at least yeah. that, because names are like, yeah. they don't carry the same weight mm. as maybe a pronoun does for someone. Yeah. Um, but at least going that far, mm. to say, yeah. well, I'll at least call you by your preferred name, yeah. right. maybe not your pronoun, as at least a step that as Christ followers that preach love and grace yeah. should try our <laughs> hardest to find room in our heart to do that yeah mm, that's so good mm. so you would use pronoun hospital i would yeah. again if you had asked me that question a year ago i mean just honestly the yeah. answer probably yeah. would have been differently yeah all right what about you, you didn't say. <laughs> yeah. why are you trying to put me on the spot um yeah I'll, as of right now same with you the book really changed my Hard. I would say it changed my mind. It did change my mind. I think it just gave thoughts to my mind. Um, I would probably lean towards it. I don't. I don't know. I'm still thinking through it for a lot of reasons yeah. um, on both sides. But I, if you put a gun in my head, I would also lean towards putting out side as well. But I reserve the right to change my mind, and I reserve the right to be wrong. And ask <laughs> me next week. Um, so I, I think what's what's hard about it is is like when it feels like visually what we're used to, it doesn't fit. It doesn't. Or, or if someone's using a plural, they and them. And, and I, think, I think some of it would be challenging to do, but I think that's the question. Do you 
you go to the trouble because you want to build a relationship with somebody. Yeah. Because yeah. you're probably not going to have, just imagine, you're probably not going to be able to carry a relationship yes. with somebody if you will not use either their, their new name, mm-hmm. and you want to keep referring to their dead name, yeah. or if you won't use the pronoun that they ask you, you know, mm-hmm. or prefer if they tell you, then my guess is you won't really yep. have a relationship. Yeah, that's where it changes and that's, things. And that's, that's the hard part. Yeah, that's where it changes things because, you know, when you ask me that question, would I, I think about two different arenas. I think about the, and that sounds weird, but I think about the public arena mm-hmm. of, um, you know, what we are expressing and representing as, as a church body, as followers of Jesus, which you always want it to be loving, yeah. but, you all, but you don't want to try to create confusion. Um, but then I think about if, as I'm building a relationship with a person, <clears throat> Um, I can't imagine just because of my own dogma um, saying, well, I know you already know what I believe, but I just refuse. And so I'm not. And just, I, I mean, like, how do you, how do you be a bridge builder if you yeah. blow up your side of the bridge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, and I'm going to go back to a challenge you gave the first week. Cause I think that I just can feel it. If anybody's listening to this right now, they're like, Oh, Oh, I can't. But you have a challenge before you come back with a rebuttal. Read. I know we're all busy, but I'm just I, I am almost begging you, read embodied and yeah. then come back yeah. and and bring the challenge and tell us where we're wrong. I love I said it before, I love GK Chesterton, my mind greatest thinker of the twentieth twentieth century. He said it's not arrogant to think you may be right, but it is arrogant to be unable to imagine how you might be wrong. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this topic uh, requires empathy, education, and humility. Yeah. Um, good. So, okay. Good. Um, all right. Last actual text question, and then I want to ask you some questions. Uh, it says this, actually, some, one of your youth leaders who I think still doesn't know how to text in questions and email sent me a direct text and puts. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah. He said, so I know I could text this to the podcast, but dot, 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 I really don't know how it works, even though they say it every week, LOL. But my question is, how does the Bible culture address transgender mentally in the fact that if God can't make a mistake, then how can someone think they are the wrong sex? This is more of a hypothetical question, which I don't think it is. Um, but I didn't know if someone already thought of this or questioned it. So again, um, how does the Bible culture address transgender mentally in the fact that if God can't make a mistake, then how can someone think they're the wrong sex? I, I don't really understand. I think I do. Because there are a lot of things that God creates us to do that we do the opposite and think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, that... but. My, so my really mind sure. immediately, and I know it's weird, it's a, maybe it's a false <clears throat> parallel, my mind immediately goes to the heartbreaking question a few weeks ago in the abortion podcast. Um, I, I, th- I think it goes back to the way I described it. There's the overlap of two realities in this broken planet. There is the overlap of the reality that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God created us, intimately wove us together in our mother's womb. Mm-hmm. And then there's the reality of our brokenness and a fallen nature and that we're all born tainted in sin. Mm-hmm. And that taintedness, that brokenness, that fracturedness affects every aspect of our humanity from spiritually to sexually to physically. And so I think like in this complex reality on earth, <laughs> we all experience the divinity and the brokenness and the way we're born that fleshes out in all kind of things that we wish we didn't struggle with. We wish we didn't have to think about. Good. Is that I agree? 
You just say amen. So or I think amen. It's, I don't. I don't. Does yeah. that, I mean, does that so seem to approach what you think he's saying? Well, so is it the underlying tone, meaning that like, could we use the argument of well, God doesn't make mistakes to say that you are not transgender, right? Or you were not born in the wrong body. Or I think, well, one that maybe logically, you've got an argument for sure, but to give that as an answer to someone who is wrestling <clears throat> would be dismissive. I think, if that's what the question is getting at. Well, this person isn't wrestling. No, no, no. I'm saying, would you say that to someone who's wrestling? Could you use? I think I think I would. It's so tough because again, it kind of goes back to last week when when people ask if people are asking certain personal questions. There's a different pastoral way you approach it. Yeah. That has a longer conversation to it. Has a longer runway. To even try, because you never, you never even want to get to the place where you give pat answers. Yeah. But if you're trying to help people wrestle through theologically, philosophically, I, per, I mean, and I'm pushback. Give, give me pushback because I want to grow. But but to me, it's 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 a fair thought process in any arena of life in which you're experiencing pain and brokenness, in which you're experiencing confusion, to say God doesn't make mistakes. He made me wonderfully, and yet. All of us in some arena of our lives, um, because of um, the brokenness of our ancestors, of Adam and Eve, are going to experience incongruencies in some form or another, are going to experience confusion or pain or brokenness in some form or another. But it doesn't mean that God was any less intentional or purposeful and him making you and designing you. It doesn't mean he has any less of a plan for your life. It doesn't mean he has any less value that he directs towards you. Yeah. Would that be a better way to phrase it pastorally? Yeah. Sure. You, saw, you got yeah. pushback? Yeah. Give it to me. I don't know. I, oh, I think that this is a, I'll make a, cause, because we're having such a hard time really understanding what is being asked yeah. and, and how to logically think of this, because it does feel like two separate things. But again, t for, for lack of trying to, for lack of having a better understanding of this, so this may not be a great one, but I, I wonder if to me this would fit the way they're asking it in the same category as we look at people who are born with genetic disorders. When we look at, we, that, you can ask that same question, mm -hmm. people have. People that are born with um, genetic defects, mm -hmm. something genetically went wrong in utero, and they now have a gen uh, some kind of genetic disorder or m multiple genetic disorders, whatever it might be. You have, when that happens, I think some people look at that and go, wait, if God doesn't make mistakes, then sure. why were there problems? Right. And even that, one of the things that we're now finding, and it was brought up, I believe, the week we talked about abortion was the whole idea of fixing DNA in utero. Um, CRISPR. The, yeah, CRISPR gene, gene genetic fixing, because we have found CF in certain diseases that are traced back to a genetic, something's missing, there's a protein off, there's a genetic disorder. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's a little bit of how you view all that. And, and I told you, I don't know if I said that on the podcast or I might've said that off the podcast, but I said, I, I, I view all those passages of, of I'm fearfully and wonderfully made that is a miracle mm -hmm. less that God himself has his hand weaving together the different genes, but more that God created, designed, wrote the code, instituted the miracle 
that happens because it is a miracle that happens mm -hmm. that God did that. And then here's, so if God creates, let's imagine that God creates this, um, and again, even those that are outside of the faith, atheists, um, that, that maybe don't believe in any God, mm -hmm. they still wonder and marvel and think probably the most miraculous thing we have, to use that term loosely, the most miraculous thing we have is DNA. Yeah. That that is the code that informs and builds everything when mm -hmm. it comes to humanity, really everything that's living. And so when you have that kind of genetic code that is such a masterpiece in how it's created, however it got here, depending on, I believe God created, it's a designer that writes code. But when you have that, you have this picture of God creating this and then almost giving it to man in the form of seed, Genesis account, and saying, what was the very first command? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. I've created this miraculous process that I've put inside of you. I've given you the certain organs, get, you know, the system to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Now, what do we have after that is we have, we have the fall. We have impact and effect to our environment. We have, I mean, you can go back to natural disasters to did something cataclysmic change the environment. We also yeah. see the age of humans dropping mm -hmm. massively after that. So something something changed atmospherically. Mm -hmm. um, you have, uh, as well as we've seen with epigenetics, that there is literally change in DNA that can happen due to something, something traumatic. Mm -hmm. You can go back and look at what happens at the fall. You can look at sin. You can look at shame. You can look at all those things and wonder, in my mind, I wonder, epigenetics, did that stuff, did it get triggered by sin? Did it get triggered by the fall? Our traumatic experience is something that can alter DNA, that can affect things. And from there, do we have this cascading building, yet building um, environment of humans that there's not perfection in our world? There's not perfection in utero. So there's it not sounds perfection like, in all of yeah. that. I'm trying to build I think scientifically a you're trying theology to kind of say with science yeah. to understand how we could maybe come to this question of, if God's perfect, then why does it seem we have things that are broken here on earth? Sure. Okay. Does that make sense? That's, yeah. that's why I'm trying to address that mm -hmm. from a kind of a high a scientific level. Because the yeah, same thing level. Bro brokenness yeah. entered. Yes, but I'm trying to give a scientific reason because sure. that's what I think a lot of people wonder when they this is like, okay, there's a generic, there's a brokenness and a sin, but how does that account for this young person at 11 years old that just feels like I'm not a boy, you yeah. know, I was born a boy? Yeah. Or even with the same conversation sure. when it comes to homosexuality from the earliest age someone can remember of mm -hmm. not having uh, attraction toward the opposite sex. Sure. And so I think we're, I'm trying, what I always want to do, this is maybe the way my mind works, is trying to uh, emerging of understanding mm -hmm. where faith and science come together sure. may actually give us answers Yeah, if we can look with that kind of lens. Yeah, it's good. A lot of people won't. It's like all faith lens and I'm not going to talk about science or all science right. and I don't want to believe in faith. And it's like I actually think that there is a place where they meet that, Absolutely. that gives me better understanding mm -hmm. to these kind of questions. Yeah. So I don't know for what's worth, but no, it's good. maybe that. It's good. Um, okay. Uh, we here are the questions that I'm surprised no one asked, mm -hmm. so we're not going to answer. But I'm just going to say, <laughs> but would well, you see one? I don't know if it updated. Did you see one I brought? I put on her. No, I did not. I think a huge one today uh -huh. that really comes up. Maybe it didn't refresh. Um, and I have some thoughts on it, but it's transgendered people in sports. There was just recently yep. a collegiate uh, trans woman. 
this was a, a recent one. My wife was telling me, so mm -hmm. I mean, I got all the details right. I mess up some of the stories she tells me, but she, um, but she just recently won, I think, a swimming one. This is not the one from years ago that was the first transgender woman to compete in swimming with other women, mm -hmm. but one recently, and I guess uh, this trans woman and another woman tied mm -hmm. for first place, mm -hmm. and um, they said, well, we're gonna get you both trophies. Mm -hmm. But then they asked the biological woman, hey, can you let the trans woman hold the trophy and take all the pictures as if she won? We'll get yeah. you a trophy, but it looks better for um, the exposure yeah. of this. Oh. And there are, yeah. I, I think if I, like, I don't just say it this way, if I'm a woman and I see this whole transgender movement of men who have changed to women, but were mm -hmm. born with the genetics of a man, and they're factually different. I mean, there's the average height of a man mm -hmm. is like five foot nine. The average height of a woman is five foot four. Those are facts. Those mm -hmm. are not, you know, these are, mm -hmm. the, the, even if not everybody fits into those, those are the facts. And so mm -hmm. that's gonna affect things. Sure. And so you could have a trans woman who wants to mm -hmm. play in basketball mm -hmm. and maybe much taller yeah. than the other women they're playing with. And there's an advantage to it. Or it's swimming in the way there, and there's a reason why we have Title Nine, or why we have Title Nine, mm -hmm. uh, um, when it comes to women's sports, is mm -hmm. because it's all about giving women equal opportunity to share in all of these experiences and do this. And so now that is crossing over, and I think there's a massive debate well, around it. I think so. I watched a uh, yeah. We we won't spend too much time here in here because you didn't ask, but <laughs> so no. I, I'm being sassy. But I think. And, and I don't want to minimize the the seriousness of this on either side because I I, I watched uh, six months ago an interview with the trans president of sports gender rights yeah. in an interview with Trevor Noah and I mean it's very like I mean they have their arguments down on mm -hmm. look like if we're going to be given full rights then this is what it looks like and yet you have because the other sub conversation of this and we've talked about this is. Um, that the, the, the feminist movement, most of the feminist no. movement, does not like the transgender movement right now no. because they believe the, it is interesting to think about, the erasure of gender undercuts the movement of women equality. Uh, was it J.K. Rowling right now, a, yeah. a, a, who wrote all <laughs> the Harry a, Potter series, is being canceled and ridiculed. And, and I've gone back because, again, I want to be so sensitive. I, I actually looked to see if she said anything that would, in my mind, would be insensitive towards the trans community. And she didn't. No. But she's making philosophic arguments as someone who is strong on the feminist movement that if we erase what it means to be a woman, how do we still fight for women? Um, it, there's just so many interesting sub-conversations. We have to be able to define a woman yeah, in order to have women's rights. It, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. At the yeah. deepest level. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of interesting things. I'm surprised there's no questions about bathrooms and sleeping spaces. I'm surprised there's no questions about cross-dressing, which scripture actually does talk about. Preston Sprinkle goes down yeah. in his book. It's a political, I mean, a political hour. I mean, right now, just even as we've been recording this series and doing our Sunday, there has been another huge sweep of controversy across our nation on banning, um, drag shows, drag shows. and just again, again, a whole kind of like far right push against any kind of uh, trans you know, rights, equality. So there, there's so much to it. And I just want to say this too. You did a great job of this on Sunday, but kind of going back to last week's podcast, trying to put yourself, if you're a straight person, in the shoes of a gay person. I think it's worth, for empathy's sake, not only to educate yourself, but can you 
you can't, but can you imagine the pain and, and the fear of actually being someone who act, feels trapped in their own body and the inner conflict and the turmoil that must come with that? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you even mentioned I mean, the, the, the suicide rates, yeah. um, all that comes with it. And so, you know, as we approach this, we, that, that, that's part of, I think, what we're even trying to do is say, what does it look like to seek to understand, to put myself in another's shoes? Um, Mm. But uh, yeah. I want to transition to you. Um, well, <laughs> I want I want to go to you. Um, okay, but you know what? My slip of tongue aside, here was another thing that I had no idea. So there's three types of transitions. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, there's cultural, mm-hmm. um, there's medical, hormonal, and there's surgical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea. This shocked me. It was that 93% of, of people that experience gender dysphoria will never fully cross that barrier into surgical um, mm-hmm. reassignment surgery. Mm-hmm. Had no, you, you would almost think, that was just my ignorance. I'm like, well, if they feel this strongly yeah. about it, the natural progression, um, yeah. but most never will. That's crazy. And, and some of it may be cost, I, some of it may be, you know, a yeah. lot of other factors, but I just found that really Dude. interesting. I um, saw a, a one um, doctor, it was in an article I was reading on the New York Post, that I forget where he was like ahead of something at one of these universities. He actually stepped down because he did not agree with the approach they were taking medically in addressing and dealing with people that um, with gender dysphoria and other things. And mm-hmm. in his um, in his approach, or what he believed was that our medical community is so quick to put people on hormones mm-hmm. or uh, blockers, mm-hmm. puberty blockers, things like that. We're so quick to do it. And he said from his, what he had seen was once you go on, there's no going off. Mm. Yeah. That's not true. I mean, there are, but he also said that once most people go on, they move toward full surgery. So it's Mm -hmm. interesting hearing that. Yeah. That hearing that stat that a lot of people, or maybe they haven't. Maybe it's because it's so new in the when it comes to medically and what insurance, because I'm sure it's not cheap. Yeah. To do something like that. Whereas in Europe and other places where it has been covered, Mm -hmm. there probably been a lot more people. But it's also interesting in certain. Really progressive places in Europe are some of the places where there's the most detransitioners oh. speaking out and saying this it is, is not a good track we've been on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I also want to point out I think I think we need a, a great deal of empathy for people with gender dysphoria. It is a that is a real thing yeah. that people deal with. Mm-hmm. It affects them physiologically, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. all of those. So I think as that I I also think though, and when you read detransition stories. I think there are also a lot of people in our culture that are very susceptible to cultural persuasion mm-hmm. that are also going trans, maybe mm-hmm. even doing it's even like the, the story that I shared of the one girl. And that was in one of the articles mm-hmm. um, that I don't know. It didn't sound like she actually deals with gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. It just feel, I think there's a lot of people that feel like I don't fit or and her story, Chloe, the one I shared, I, I just want to be pretty, didn't feel pretty, so said maybe I'd be better off as a boy and saw how the transgender community was mm-hmm. celebrating each other mm-hmm. and didn't feel celebrated or loved and so went down a process, including double mastectomy, you know, and all this at age um, 16. And so, and then as she detransitioned, she regrets and now she's telling everybody about it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look at her story and that's a real story. And there are people that, have transitioned and they're still happy they've transitioned. So I don't want to, 
Yeah. As Mark Yarhouse says, you met one trans person, you've met one trans yes. person. They're all different. But mm -hmm. I, I want us to also at least recognize that the cultural um, pressure to, at, at a young age to even give the option. I mean, one of the things that's been debated, we've talked about this mm -hmm. on here, is just the idea of them now creating books and in kids in elementary age in schools of like not pressuring kids to identify with their gender yeah. to like almost give that option that I, I just think we're creating a world where there are a lot of people that might go through some really difficult times in, yeah. in puberty and those stages that also might come out of that and be able to be comfortable in their skin. Yeah. It's so interesting. I told you, you know, somebody on, on Sunday, there's a couple people that based on your last week's message, we're like, it kind of struggled with the idea that was like, did, did Pastor Tim kind of imply that people could be born gay? Yeah. And I was like, well, if you look back to what he said, he, he really just, he, he said both realities are possible. Mm -hmm. And I think whether it comes to sexuality or gender, I think the truth is, yeah, it's not nature or nurture, it's both. Mm -hmm. There are people born mm -hmm. um, and from their earliest memories, uh, yeah. this is their reality. And then there is, especially right now when it comes to um, sexuality and gender, there is an increasing culture where um, of nurture, mm -hmm. where, you know, we'll talk about in a minute, rapid onset, mm -hmm. you know, gender dysphoria and, 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 and all those things. And so it's, it's not an either or. It is yeah. a both hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I, <laughs> we like things to be a lot cleaner and neater than they are. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, okay, Jesse, uh, a few questions. But first off, mm -hmm. you know, so I want to ask you, students and parents and all that, but what are some things, we've hit a lot, he's hit a lot, I know there's, mm -hmm. you've got tons of notes, just like I took tons of notes, but mm -hmm. what are some of the things in your study, your research, and in your role that you have noticed, learned, been impacted by the most in this pursuit? Yeah, I think a lot of the big things we've probably hit already. Um, I think the big thing for me was to just understand all the terms, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think... Uh, for us to be able to help people, pastor people through this stuff, we at least need to be able to be halfway educated in talking about mm -hmm. this subject. Um, you know, a year ago, if somebody had called me cisgendered, I would have thought they insulted me. <laughs> but it turns out that's I'm cisgendered. I'm yeah. comfortable in my skin. That's what that means. Um, and so terms are huge. I think um, understanding the way in which this is, uh, I mean, we would have thought this, but to see the actual statistics on how much more this is affecting the younger generation mm -hmm. more yeah. than any other. Um, and I think Pastor Tim, or Tim, we don't use pastor on this podcast, but whatever. <laughs> um, it's weird. I can't call you Tim. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does feel weird. But you, I mean, you said it perfectly earlier of kids in middle school are already going through, for lack of a better term, an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And now let's throw in, by the way, you can also change your gender if you want. Yeah. And, you know, how is any kid at that phase in their life and their development going to be able to, in a, a, a healthy or a mature way, process that decision, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, seeing the statistics was super eye-opening. And again, I think the, the biggest thing that has shifted the way I've thought about it is the phrase, if you've met one transgender person, you've met one. And I think I was looking for it in my notes. I couldn't find it, but... Preston Sprinkle has some kind of quote that says, the one size fits all approach needs to be locked away in a box and thrown in the ocean mm. when it comes to this. Because what, what do you think that is, the one size fits all? Well, I think we, when we as human beings, 
don't relate to something, we automatically like other it. Well, that's them. Over, I don't get. They all. They do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you just you can't do that, especially with this, because the more you read stories, the more you hear detransition stories. The more you hear people that are, you know, non-binary, and you hear their stories and how they arrived at that conclusion. They're all different. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for us when we don't relate to something to say, well, it's just this yeah. or it's, well, it was the upbringing or whatever. And you, you just can't do that because at the end of the day, it's just dismissive. Mm -hmm. Your struggle's not real. It's just, ah, stop it. Yeah. Knock it off. Yeah. And that helps zero people. Right. Yeah. Zero people. Um, and so to understand that we've got to meet people in grace and see their issues as real issues, even if we can't relate to them at all. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, I think those are the biggest things, yeah. other than the things we've mentioned already. Yeah. What, um, I'm just curious in your role with students, uh, what, even just from a pastoral, getting in the lives of people, what you've noticed or stood out, or any stories of like how this has gone from, you know, we, we say it all the time, this isn't about concepts, it's about people. Mm -hmm. do, uh, do you have any stories or anecdotes of where, oh, wow, this has really come close to home? Um, yeah, I mean, a few. Um, I mean, in, uh, aside from maybe my role here, there are people in my life personally that would consider themselves a part of the trans community. Mm -hmm. And which, I mean, to be transparent here puts me in a weird spot because, uh, like, I, I have felt the pressure on one side before all this education to oh, well, I need to take a stand, right? And it's kind of funny that as Christians, that seems to be where we go. <laughs> That's the phrase. That like, yeah. I need to take a stand. When in taking a stand, we forget that it's a person. Yeah. You know, we use it almost as a platform to promote our whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, uh, it's hit close to home in just the fact that now I have friends mm -hmm. that uh, identify as non-binary. Um, I know somebody uh, who has gone through the transition process and... Uh, uh, if you don't know somebody yet that has, you will probably soon. And so, which is why I think it's important for us to not bury our heads in the sand and view this as a culture war, as something that uh, we need to push an ideology or prevent some hidden agenda from somewhere, um, but see these people as real people. But I think when it comes to um, students and just having some little one-off conversations with them, it's been surprising how how many of our kids have been so, um, we'll say, um, very discipled by culture when it comes to this topic, mm -hmm. to where it is, um, uh, <laughs> it has put, I think, youth pastors specifically in a weird spot to say anything other than, well, we affirm people that are trans. Because it's almost, the culture has shaped this subject to be, well, if you say anything other than you accept them fully as they are, and if they feel like they should transition, you should tell them to, that you're a bigot. Mm. And it's been, it's been challenging yeah. to try and navigate that because I had a few like one-off conversations with kids mm -hmm. and they're so confused, I think. So what are you doing? You just described the tension. You got you got the you got a side that's just dismissive and culture war. You got another side that's just like doesn't even think to think biblically at all. Mm -hmm. um, but whatever culture says goes, and there's not a, a biblical worldview and construct. And you're trying to speak right into the middle of that. Any what are you finding and how to navigate that tension? 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a cop-out answer, but you, you have to see the people as people. Um, you have to love them. And I think now more than ever, and, and Preston Sprinkle talks about this, is that it's not okay for youth ministries just to pull high numbers of kids. You have to create environments where they can be real and open and honest mm -hmm. and create places where if they are struggling with their gender identity, they feel comfortable enough and they have uh, a mature, uh, rooted adult leader in their life that they can talk to. Yeah. Because if they don't have that and if they don't have it at home, then they're going to go to the Internet. Mm -hmm. They're going to go to Reddit and it's going to yeah. tell them something completely yeah. different. Yeah. It's so funny. We've talked about it, but it, it's interesting how. Let's just be honest. There would be some churches that would say uh, they'd just be really frank. Uh, we uh, we don't know what to do with that. To be honest, maybe they would just say it's more behind closed doors. We, we hope that doesn't come into our space. Right. Mm -hmm. Then there are probably a lot of churches in the middle that would say we need to love all people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and that sounds really sexy until all people come in. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then it feels very uncomfortable and certain people would make them nervous. Yeah. And then Preston Sprinkle, the way he ended his book was, no, if all people, including the trans community, are not flocking to your place, finding the most loving, accepting place they've ever found, you need a heart check. Yeah. And that's a, that's a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a different framework to not just be like, because I've heard people, and I know they love people, I know it's well-meaning, say, no, I think it's great, I think it's, I think it's okay that they come, but I'm like, it's okay? Or Jesus is actively pursuing them, and we are so grateful. And I just want to say this right here to anybody listening or watching. We are not just okay with, but excited yeah. Yeah. and so honored that anybody, part of any community, regardless of what you're walking through, wrestling with, identifying with, yeah. would come and be a part of this place. And we hope it's the safest, most loving place mm -hmm. yeah. for you to wrestle. It's so, such a funny phrase. Like, well, it's okay that they... Like, I, <laughs> Did they need your permission? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, half the time I'm wondering, is it okay that I'm a part of this community? Yeah. <laughs> like. yeah, it's funny how we, and I think the church historically, not our church, but the church in general, has had these topics. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, 20 years ago it was homosexuality of like, everyone's welcome, but then if somebody walks in the door that's different, mm -hmm. it's almost like a, Somebody's going to talk to them, right? Yes. Yeah. It's your welcome, like, wait, but when's what? the conversation coming? Yeah. Yes. So, someone within the month needs to say, hey, I, I, I'm glad you're here, but you, you know that, like, you know this is wrong. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, that's funny. And Interesting. Preston Sprinkle tells a story about a woman named, uh, I think it was Lisa, who grew up in the church, went to talk to a pastor about her gender identity problems, and he more or less just was like, yeah, you can't come back if you're struggling with that. Uh, ends up getting married to a woman that her wife dies tragically in this freak accident and then has to call around all these different churches to, to have somebody to do the funeral, host it and a pastor perform it and gets turned away at several different churches. And then mm -hmm. one of her last options is this super country conservative kind of stereotypical church. And she, you know, uh, explains, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm trans. I'm married to my wife just died. I just need somebody to do the funeral. And before, you know, clarifying, well, we'll do it, but mm -hmm. I just want you to know my stance. He says, we would be honored to. Mm. We'd be honored to care for you. And that is the moment that actually rekindled her love for Jesus. Wow. It's just mm. somebody saying, hey, we'd, we'd be honored to. Not without, mm -hmm. well, I will. I guess we will, Yeah. but I just need you to know that I don't support this. It's like, we don't <laughs> do that with anything else. No. It's like, no, love should come with no strings attached. Mm -hmm. We'll love you, but just so you know, I don't agree. Right. Like, 
We'll do the funeral for your son that died of a drug overdose, but just so you know our stance on drugs. We, uh, yeah, it's... We never do that. Yeah. Um, what about... I mean, again, it's, I mean, some of these may just be kind of repeat, but um, you mentioned earlier the whole pressure to condone anything. And a lot of times that goes into even the stories Preston Sprinkle talked about, about, you know, let's say someone goes to see the school nurse in elementary school mm-hmm. or middle school says, I'm struggling with this. And the uh, response has been given to parents Mm-hmm. of i mean right now a lot of it is because of the high suicide mortality rates and because of the shame it's it's uh transition or die hey start your kid on transitioning or they're going to kill themselves mm-hmm. well, how how would you speak to parents and students in the in the i don't know in the middle of of all this yeah well, i think uh the most important thing for parents to, to think about, to realize when it comes to this subject is that we as parents cannot just bear our heads in the sand and say, that'll never be my kid. Mm. The reality is it could. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, uh, you referenced it earlier. There is such a thing as rapid onset gender dysphoria. Um, some people call that trans trending, hmm. um, but I wouldn't call it that. Uh, but basically where out of the blue, uh, a, a kid will just stop identifying as their natural born sex. And I think it's so important for parents to understand that you have to be their safe place. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be the place where they can come and feel comfortable. Um, and that's really hard to do because not only do you have a kid that is now wrestling with their gender identity, you also have a parent that is wrestling with, oh, this is my kid that I've raised as a boy, that I've raised as a girl. My whole life, I never expected this. I don't even understand this. And now they are simultaneously wrestling with two different humongous battles. Mm-hmm. But I said it earlier, but it, parents, we have to be the safe place. And I think because of the, for lack of a better term, panic that can arise in a parent when a kid says, hey, I, I don't, I'm wrestling with this or I'm struggling with this or mm-hmm. I identify as this now, the panic that arises almost turns into like anger. Like we feel like we have to snuff out whatever that, well, that's non. I didn't raise you that way or whatever. And all you're in reality doing is pushing them further away from you. Yeah. Well, you don't accept me as I am. And so I'm going to go where I am accepted mm-hmm. and where I am loved. And again, like I said, that's going to be Reddit and Tumblr and all these other places where they're going to be affirmed to continue to pursue that yeah. path. And so I think as parents, um, uh, you don't want to have to start learning about it when your kid comes to you and tells you mm-hmm. yeah. that they feel like transitioning whether that be socially or hormonally or whatever yeah um to at least have a base foundation of what these terms are what this subject means and all this stuff so that you can at least have an educated and a caring conversation with Mm -hmm. your kid if that ever happens Mm -hmm. um i think is a loving thing to do i think we um uh it's probably more important now than ever for parents especially as they grow into the middle school and high school years to be actively engaged in their kids lives Mm. because more and more kids just stay on their phone they stay in their room and it's easy for weeks to go by with your kids without having a meaningful conversation with them or having dinner around the table Mm -hmm. and i think we as parents especially when it comes to this topic have to fight and be intentional to be a safe place for our kids to talk about what they're thinking and feeling and not even just with this topic but just in general yeah we have to be the safe place otherwise they're going to find it somewhere else and that goes double for the church as well like like i said the youth ministry is going to become more important now than ever yeah 
to be a place where kids can come and feel seen and heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not just, hey, we're going to throw this giant event. We had 300 kids come. Okay, that's awesome. We want that too. Mm-hmm. But we also want to create a space for those 300 kids where they can actually be mentored and discipled and loved and cared for and mm-hmm. led in grace and truth. Yeah. And so I think parents, we've got to educate ourselves. Yeah. That's so good. And I, and I think one of the things that's so tough about this, maybe from a quote-unquote discipleship standpoint more than any other issue, is we, we really in the church's leaders want to give quick fixes. Yep. And I think if there's ever an issue that doesn't have a quick fix, I mean, don't you want to just, I mean, I, I think there's probably people that still to this day would say in the initial conversation with someone, well, the, oh, I, I mean, that's easy. You should know who you are in Jesus. Yeah. Well, that, that, that is not, that, that's a, a, a life-shattering, changing, empowering reality to know who you are in Christ that can and will change your life. Mm-hmm. But the jargon of that is not a magic silver bullet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we just, it's such a complex issue. And um, I, uh, I, while we're thinking of anything else we want to add, don't want to belabor this, but I wrote out when I was kind of taking notes from this, just um, some... Uh, notable quotes um, from the book that just stood out to me. And I'm, I just want to read a couple kind of as we begin to close. Um, this is from Preston Sprinkle's book, Embodied. I love this. He says, lazy accusations don't embody God's kindness. He said, uh, we can get the Bible right, but if we love wrong, we're wrong. He said this, sometimes how we believe is just as important as what we believe. We should reject lazy thinking, unbiblical theories, and convoluted illogical reasons for what we believe. But if our posture and tone don't communicate love, the content of our ideas will be powerless. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, we need to make sure we're talking with people, not just about people. Mm-hmm. He said, non-feminine women are still women. And if these women feel uncomfortable at our women's retreats, then that's the church's problem, not theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he said, creation and resurrection are the twin pillars of Jesus' ethic. Um, this, this, he was talking about, um, uh, the whole intersex thing. He said, while Genesis one certainly assumes various hybrids, and this is kind of what you hit on of shades of in-betweenness in many aspects of creation, male and female are still the only categories of embodied sex among humans. Humans differ in how they are male and female, but this doesn't mean sex categories exist in addition to male Mm -hmm. and female. Um, just so many things I thought, oh, there's plenty of fodder for outrage. But outrage doesn't change the world. Love changes the world. Yep. Yeah. Um, Christ died for everyone, but he also had a particular yearning to reach those who had been marginalized and ignored by the majority, and so should we. Um, it, there, there's just so much in there. And one story I thought of, and not to, not, I don't know, not to be all preachy, but I just thought in terms of hope, because if you're someone, again, I just want to say as part of the trans community, we're so glad that you're a part of this conversation. If you live close to be a part of our church, we're so glad. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're not, come. We'd love to have you. And um, we have those in the trans community. They're a part of our community. Mm-hmm. And um, we're so glad that you're with us. And I think there's tremendous hope for you. There's tremendous hope because you have a community that loves you and wants to surround you. And there's also tremendous hope because I do believe that God loves us enough not just to love us where we are, but whether we're trans or cisgender or gay or however, wherever we find ourselves in this current moment, God loves us enough to also help us along the journey. 
Um, and there's this story, you probably heard me share this back in the old days of XU201, true story. Uh, in the jungles of Colombia, like four decades ago, there was a little girl who was kidnapped because there's so much of that that happens in Central America, um, in Latin America, South America. She was kidnapped, left in the jungles as a four-year-old girl, maybe, um, and stayed that way for 10 years. Ended up, true story of actually being raised by monkeys was um, the group of monkeys saw her starving uh, and, um, and dying of thirst, brought her in, and she ends up growing up believing she's a monkey. Uh, climbing limbs, swing, there's a whole story, documentary on it, books on it. Um, it's a real life story of raised by monkeys. Um, and then one day, she's like swinging from branches in a tree and something shiny catches her eye from the bottom of the jungle floor. And she goes down to look at it. And it's, and it's a broken shard of a mirror and she looks in it and for the first time in her life actually sees a reflection of who she is. She goes back to the monkeys, but she can't shake what she's seen. She cannot shake the image. And a, and, and a couple years later, sure enough, she's rescued by humans. And, and But those two years in between, she had started this process and journey. And I know it just sounds like a preacher story, but it's a true story. And I think the principle of it is one of the most powerful principles we can ever capture in our lifetime which is that we will live out our identity and one of the most powerful things that can happen regardless of if you're trans or maybe you've just spent your whole life in shame or in fear or living out the identity of what someone spoke over you as a kid or a parent or abandonment or rejection or whatever it may be one of the most powerful things that can ever happen is moments where you catch a glimpse of how God actually wired you and created you and destined you. And that's not a magic bullet if you're in the trans community that, that fixes right. anything. We, we, we have enough cliches. But I do want to say this, that whatever journey you're on, God purposefully created you and destined you. God purposefully designed you. And I think one of the most, and we've, we've heard stories, and Professor Springle talked about stories of people in the trans community that when they caught a glimpse, even of the person there you talked about, mm -hmm. that when they caught a glimpse, when, when, when the lenses that were over their eyes of the way they viewed themselves and reality and God shifted, mm -hmm. and there's almost like a cataract replacement, mm -hmm. that it shifted everything internally. Yeah. Because for all of us, again, gay, straight, cis, trans, we will live out who we believe we are. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, am so thankful there is someone above my pay grade that actually created me and knows me better than I know me. Mm -hmm. um, and for all of us, whatever journey we're on, transformation is possible. We can catch glimpses. I really believe through scripture. I believe through, I do believe this, you know, we go out of our way to say this is a complicated, human, gritty, long process. But I also do believe in the supernatural power of God and his presence that he can also do he have healing moments. And he can do unbelievable work in our hearts and in our lives. And um, so I just want to say, wherever anybody's at listening to this, there is absolutely incredible hope. Um, and you're loved, you're valued. Um, and uh, you can have the most meaningful days ahead of you. Um, and whatever you're wrestling through, just don't wrestle with it alone. Yeah. Don't suffer yeah. alone. Yeah. Don't suffer in silence. Don't let the fear of shame keep you from being honest. Mm -hmm. about what you're wrestling with and um i don't know 
couple book recommendations. Yeah, let's do it. That we can do it as we wrap up. So one that we've talked about a few of them, but I, st- I think it's kind of one of my favorite books through this whole series that addresses a lot of the topics. Yeah. Um, not, not so much in a pastoral way and not in depth, yeah. but using personhood theory to help understand about transgenderism, homosexuality, abortion, euthanasia, things like that. Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. I, mm-hmm. That is a book I highly, yeah. highly recommend. Well, the book we've been talking about quite a bit today was Preston Sprinkle's book, Embodied. Mm-hmm. So um, this was a fantastic book mm-hmm. that really helped, I think, all of us. I think not just understand what the Bible has to say, understand the cultural um, understanding of this, but also how to have the right kind of, I, I think, posture mm-hmm. toward yeah. the trans community. Yes. I think that really helped. Another book, I've not read all of this, but some, but again, I, Mark Yarhouse, mm-hmm. Emerging Gender Identities. He also wrote one on gender dysphoria. Um, he's kind of a leading um, voice in this area. And he gives like, I mean, talk about definitions. I mean, he gives like a couple pages that are just straight yeah. definitions that are just really helpful because there's a there's a lot of them and mm-hmm. it's growing. Yeah. And um, and so these are ones, and I know you've got a book as well, yeah, Jesse. Yeah, I got one uh, specifically for parents, another Mark Yarhouse book, uh, but it's called When Children Come Out, A Guide for Christian Parents. Um, I think if you're a parent and uh, maybe you lay awake at night and you're concerned about what if, what do I do, how do I know about this, how do I talk, this is a great place to start. It's not super long, but it's mm-hmm. what I've read of it. I haven't finished all of it, but what I've read is incredibly helpful. Mm. Love it. So check out these books. If you missed Sunday, then I hope you actually paused this before you listen to the rest of it. But if you didn't, go back, listen to Sunday's message. And then we've mentioned a couple times, but about six years ago, John Tyson from New York did a series called Controversial Jesus, and he has one on Jesus and the transgender community. It is worth going back and listening to. I also want to remind you, our catch-all episode from the It's Complicated series is next week. So from this conversation or any of the previous one, yeah. culture wars, politics, sexuality, racism, abortion, gender, if there are questions you didn't write in because you missed a message or we said something in the podcast that you yep. felt like didn't answer it well or you still disagree or you're mad, write back <laughs> in again and we're going to try to do, yeah. we'll try to keep it one, but we want to do a catch-all yeah. and go back through because um, there's a lot of questions. Um, that are miscellaneous that we're going to talk through next week. But good. Jesse, thank you for joining us. Your yeah. insight. Yeah. And yeah. Thanks for having me. So good. That's and so good. Uh, I just want to say, I'm going to call you Pastor Tim. Um, <laughs> this series, I don't know if you heard it, but in the 930 when you said, hey, it's the end of the series, blah, 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 everybody interrupted you with applause. And I just think you have done a masterful job. And I think people from both sides, even if they disagree, really appreciate the level of research, the level of heart and compassion, the level of intentionality, Mm -hmm. and the level of intelligence that you've put into this series. I really do think it's a game changer for us as a church. I think it is a lasting resource for us as a church. I think it changes the way we pastor as a staff, the way we think as people. And I am just so grateful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know we've, you. it's been a long runway to yeah. this series, but I'm so glad yeah. uh, that we put in the prep work we did. and the way you led it. I'm so glad we did it. Thank you. And thank you for joining us again. If you've been new to the podcast, X Podcast family through this series, so glad you've been a part. Hope you stay a part. We're better with your voice and we love that you're here with us. And uh, if you have any questions, as always, write in, email into podcast at the X.church. That's podcast at the X.church. People struggle with that address. I'm going to say it one more time. Podcast at the X.church. There's no .com at the end. There's no .net at the end. There's not .org at the end. It's podcast at the X.church. One more time. Podcast at the X.church. I think we did it. We love you. We're so glad that you joined us. And until next time, we will see you next week.